Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. We're back with another episode. This is Holly and Amy and Kristen, and we are so excited. We have been waiting for weeks. Well, we've been waiting for months, but we didn't know it was even going to be possible for us to have this conversation with an expert in his field that we have been following since, I guess it was the summer of 2020, if not spring of 2021, I guess it was 2021 girls that we started really following everything that Dr. Ryan Cole was putting out there because, and I'll say from personal experience, the first time I ever heard Dr. Ryan Cole, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little more about his background in case you don't know who he is. I saw this video where this physician stood up and testified basically in front of a, I think it was a public meeting. And he said, we don't have a flu season, we have a vitamin D deficiency season. And as he began to explain why we tend to get colds and flu viruses in the winter, I thought that makes perfect sense, right? We're not getting, we're not outside, we're not, you know, we're not getting, we're not going to have the same levels of vitamin D during that time. And that's when we were starting to figure out that people who were being diagnosed with severe cases of COVID had low vitamin D. And so I was like, okay, this guy is on to what can we do preventatively to keep us all from, you know, perhaps getting COVID or how do we, if we get it, not get a bad case of it. Well, before we knew it, his video was taken down off of YouTube for saying vitamin D. Like we couldn't understand it. We're and like, that's when we knew to follow him. Yeah. <laughs> and that was I mean, our- could, it, could it have been that easy this whole time? <laughs> yes. It could have been. It could have been. <laughs> Well, I, I, so I then had to, of course, Google uh, who Dr. Ryan Cole was, and he, for 17 years, has owned Cole Diagnostics, which is one of the largest labs in Idaho, and he is Mayo Clinic trained. He is board, he's a board certified pathologist, um, specifically in anatomic and clinical pathology, and so when we say he's an expert in looking at what's going on in the human body with COVID. Um, He is an expert. I don't know how you can become perhaps more of an expert. And also since 2020, the number of things that I think you've read thousands, I heard you say, Dr. Cole, like literally thousands and thousands and thousands of of, um, peer-reviewed science articles, what have you, trying to get to the bottom of this so that we can minimize death rate, so that we could minimize death rates, so that we could treat it, so we could keep people out of hospitals. And anyway, we are so excited to have you with us, Dr. Cole. And I know that we have so many questions we want to ask you, but the first thing we have to ask you is, when going back to March 2020, or maybe even months before as a doctor, perhaps you were looking, how long did it take you to realize something didn't seem right with COVID? 
Um, pretty much right away in early 2020 when, you know, the pandemic was being announced by the WHO and it was maybe spring of 2020, I, I looked at the sequences of the virus. I, I knew right away it was a synthetic uh, lab virus. Now, was that very popular to say that at the time? No, there's this little nucleic acid sequence, this little protein on the spike. It's called a furin cleavage protein. When I looked at that, and so my background, like you said, you know, I trained at the Mayo Clinic, anatomic pathology, clinical pathology, chief fellow in surgical pathology. I did a subspecialty fellowship in dermatopathology. I did PhD work in immunology. I've seen 500,000 patients in my career. So just, that's just a handful. But, but so I have a background in immunology, virology, pathology. So when I looked at these protein sequences, I thought, you know, that's that little protein there. You only see that when you're manipulating viruses in an experimental setting in a laboratory. And I looked at the sequences from Dr. Montagnier, you know, God bless him, he recently passed. Mm. But when I was looking at the sequence work he had done from around the world, because he had gathered samples from around the world, and all of them had this little sequence in it. Well, we just found out at the last month that ironically, Moderna had patented this little sequence back in 2016, which shows up both in the virus as well as in the vaccine. And it's important to note, you cannot patent mother nature. If it's natural, you cannot hold a patent to it. So I knew early in spring of 2020, um, this is not anything other than a lab manipulated virus. Now, was it le released intentionally or accidentally? You know, who knows? I, I, you know, I can only conjecture there. But I, I knew early something was fishy. And so as things were you know, panicking and locking down, you know, two weeks to shut down or flatten the curve. And here we are two years later. I just, I, I in retrospect, go, well, I tried to share that with colleagues. Of, co of course, I was silenced. Um, I, I knew something was fishy from the get-go. Well, I mean, to say that you have looked at over 500,000 different, uh, what? Patient biopsies. Patient, patient biopsies. Yeah. And yeah, then you're and, going... And and we do like 25,000 patients a year for blood work and then, you know, about 10,000 a year for women's health and pap smears and DNA tests. And we've done about 150,000 COVID patient tests. So, you know, I oversee a lot, a lot of lab work. Yes. And, the, and so in COVID-19, there is something that is sticking out to you going, this does not happen in nature. There, there's something different about, was it the spike protein? Is that what you, something with? Oh yeah, and there's, there's sequences of other viruses in there, which you know we can get to, which is making some certain lab tests show up in really odd ways. And not, you know, now that we're two years into it, we're seeing a lot of things that I really wish we weren't seeing because it's not good for humanity. No. Mm -hmm. And now when you spoke up, so, so pretty early on, you say, hey, I'm seeing X, Y, Z. Are you going to some of your peers and saying this as well at the time? Yeah. So when I went viral in spring of 2021 at that talk, you mentioned, I thought I was giving a lunchtime chit chat to a hundred people. At the state <laughs> <laughs> Not reeling the tens and tens and tens of millions of people would eventually hear that. I thought, okay, this is really weird, but 
you know, I was just trying to get a health message out and and kind of sound the alarm that, look, you know, we're giving a shot that is experimental and it still is. There's no approved shot available in the United States as much as they say, oh, there's an equivalency. No, anybody that still gets a shot is still in, a, in a, the largest experiment on humanity ever. So I, I, I tried to share it with colleagues. Yes, I did. And did I get shut down? Did I get canceled? I always say, if you want to know what's going on, follow the money. But if you know, want to know the truth, look at who's being silenced. Yes. Yep. Yep. Because what do they have to gain? They don't and, have anything to gain, right? Like the people no. who are being silenced are the ones that are actually losing something. And the ones who aren't, go follow the money to them. It's often right. there. And so to get a little bigger voice, I went ahead and ran for the open position on my central district health board and got voted in and that, you know, got muckraked through the newspapers. That's fine, whatever. But anything and, and amidst all of this, uh, you, you know, before we get to the end of the program, which I know is a long way away still, but it's like if, if you don't like what you're seeing, get involved like you you gals are doing, you know, you're getting involved by sharing at least a conversation. And, and the one of the biggest deaths in COVID, you know, God bless all the people that passed, but one of the biggest deaths has been dialogue and truth and the ability to share. And, you know, my, I, I have a mantra and that's truth plus transparency equals trust. And we have lost absolute trust in the system, in the agencies, in our, our public health authorities, because they haven't done anything to gain our trust. Right. And so what I've been trying to do and why have I spoken out? I didn't choose to do this. It chose me. You know, I'm usually kind of an extroverted introvert. I you know, sit at a microscope. I'm kind of a nerd. <laughs> I, I enjoy my organic farm and my wood shop and building boats and furniture and sawmilling and digging in the dirt. You know, so yeah, this isn't, I, I didn't seek a stage. The stage found me accidentally. But, you know, when you're called to do something, you have two options to say yes or no. I said yes. And here we are. Right. And obviously the fact that you, you know, took the censorship, you took the beatings in the media and everything, and you still continue to give the message. It must be super, you know, it's important enough because there's a lot of people that would shy away from or just say, forget it. You know, I'm going to go back to my quiet life, you know, well, but the fact that you're pressing on. Yeah, it, it's about saving lives and keeping people from being harmed. So in medicine, we take that oath to first do no harm, primum non nocere, first do no harm. And to me, that's physical harm, that's psychological harm, that's financial harm. And medicine as a whole has committed a lot of harm on humanity in this last two years. Really, we've lost the heart and soul of medicine. It's, it's big systems medicine. And for me, I'm part of uh, the International Alliance of Physicians and Medical Scientists. That's almost 20,000 doctors now and, and medical scientists. And, and our goal is to bring that Hippocratic Oath back to medicine to represent common sense medicine. You know, natural immunity really exists. People shouldn't be forced into a shot. The shot is definitely, I mean, protect the children, wake up the mama bears of the world because there's no need for this shot anymore. There's no need for a single mandate. There's no medical emergency anymore. We're getting this little dangling of a carrot saying, oh gosh, look, we're lifting the mandates. I'm like, ah, no, that's, that's sneaky. What you need to do is relinquish your illegal emergency powers because 
that there's no mandate. I, I mean, there's no emergency anymore. There should be certainly no mandates, but there should be no emergency powers given to, to government. And I, I tell people, look, this isn't a blue issue. It's not a red issue. It's a red, white, and blue issue. We're the American people, but we're also the people of the world. And protecting humanity from harm, and now in retrospect, people are waking up and saying, gosh, you know, there has been a lot of harm number one, for withholding early treatments, for withholding public health messages, for giving an experimental shot that's been the most damaging medical product on humanity of any medical product ever released on humanity. So we just, again, common sense needs to come back and, and people need to have physical integrity, the right to their own body, the right to their own choice. If you got a vaccine, great, that was your choice. If you didn't get a vaccine, that should be your choice. If there is risk, there should be choice always yes. in life. I think we've lost the scientific method too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, this is like the investigational, uh, it's still number one, it's a, it's illegal what's going on right now because this the emergency use authorization, one of the four criteria is there's no other therapy available. Correct. And we know, we all know, everybody here <laughs> and pre everybody who listens to us knows there are therapies available. This is well, elite. Well, we are out of the emergency too, are we not? I mean, yeah, well, and that's a great point because, you know, when these shots were authorized, to your point, there were absolutely therapies that worked. And you've had Dr. McCullough on. We could have saved probably 80%, 85% of American lives you know, based on the, the aggregated data of those of us who have used early treatments to save lives. But, but in addition to that, we still have employers firing people for not getting a shot. When if you look at the efficacy of this shot now, this gene jab, it is negatively effective. In, in fact, if you get that shot, you have an increased chance of getting COVID. So an emergency authorized shot has to have at least 50% efficacy. Well, it lost that efficacy in about February of 2021 after it rolled out. It, it didn't really cover Delta, it didn't cover Omicron. So it, it shouldn't even be on the market by the standards and the rules that the FDA set forth in that authorization. So when they say, gosh, go get your shot. Well, I say, well, Omicron's here. And the shot not only is at zero, it's definitely not at 50% in terms of efficacy, it's below zero. If you look at the data from... Um, say the UK right now, nine out of 10 people that are dying in the UK from COVID have been, have been double or triple jab. Same thing in Israel. And then if you look at the Denmark data, you go, huh. So if I get my second or third shot, it increases my chance of getting COVID by 30, 40, 50, 60, 70%, depending on the age group. So it's insane. That, and here's the problem. Public policy doesn't keep up with the science. The other problem is most scientists don't keep up with the science. Right. Well, Gwen, you have I'm Dr. Walensky, yeah, Dr. Walensky of the CDC comes out, what, girls, is a week, a week or two ago, and she says, well, you know, I think we just went all in on the vaccines because we just wanted COVID to be over, that perhaps that blinded us from, and I'm thinking, it is your job not right. to be blind to possibilities in science. And when exactly. she talks about how science is gray, right? The gray is the science. I want to go, you people were so sure that you, you're the, 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 the administration, the president of the United States, States and his administration is mandating something that's in the gray. That's, and you're saying, uh, I mean, you see great science on my kids. And she, was, and she was getting her data from CNN, she said, in that yes, interview. She said. And, and well, I'm and scratching my head. 
yeah. going, okay, let's see. The CDC holds the patent on uh, 58 different vaccines. The FDA is 50% funded by pharma, almost 50%. Yep. The NIH owns the patent on the sequence and the spike protein, which they share with Moderna. So they share in the billions of revenue that comes back to them. So for our government and government agencies to be mandating something in the which they have a financial interest in billions of dollars of returns, does any of this seem transparent? Does any of this yeah. truthful? And then truth plus transparency equals trust. So do I trust them? Absolutely not. Well, and hey, wait a minute, who else is involved in the NIH? Uh, I liked uh, I liked the Rand, yeah I liked the Rand Paul yesterday uh, introduced an amendment to break up the NIH into three agencies so no one person can be quote the science yeah mm. yeah but uh, isn't um, Fauci involved like the head of NIAID within yeah. NIH and he's uh, connected with Moderna Absolutely. and so let's just take everything you just said. <laughs> And let's just connect him. Let's connect some more dots. And now we can add MIA to his. Uh, yeah, MIA. Right, right, right. <laughs> protection program, wherever yeah. he is. Where did he go, y'all? Yeah, where's Waldo? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. He needs to go to prison. I mean, he, at well, this point, with for crimes against humanity. But anyway. I, I, I agree with that because he knew from his position how much harm was being done. And when we look at the Pfizer data, now that it's rolling out and we have thousands of people combing through that data and in and, and Pfizer's first couple of months when over 1200 people had already died and there were a hundred plus thousand serious adverse events. And, and you start looking at the data and you think, well, in any standard medicine or vaccine after 25, 50 deaths, it's immediately pulled off the market. So for, for him to be in a position of power, knowing what the data showed, and he has a huge financial conflict of interest, as you gals just pointed out, it doesn't make any sense. So this, this isn't about, you know, a virus and, and a shot. It's, it's about money and, and power. And that's what's sad. So many lives have been lost because of those poor decisions. And yeah, should he be in prison? I think so. If we had a Nuremberg trial and we're honest, transparent, truthful, just like Though, you know, the sad thing is we look back in history and, and you've heard me say history doesn't repeat itself. History is a poem that rhymes with itself. And this is a really bad poem because this has, you know, the, the sounds of Germany in, the, in Nazi Germany. And those doctors and nurses that were complicit in experimenting on people, a lot of them hung. And, and there was a reason that we had the Nuremberg trials. There's a reason we promised humanity that we would never experiment on people without consent before. How many people have gotten a shot with the full information and been able to give informed consent? Nobody, nobody, because you don't get that form and you don't know the ingredients and you, there weren't any animal trials on any of this. So there hasn't been informed consent for anybody. And any doctor that has said to their patient, you need to get the shot, has violated every institutional review board ethic, every scientific experimental moral and ethic and requirement. You have to inform the patient and say, here's your option. I can't say do it or not do it, but they can't even do that because they don't have the information to give. So this has been really bad for humanity. Um, well, 
that's what I was going to um, bring up too. Well, shoot, what were you saying when, when you were just saying that? Oh, we had a pharmacist on our one of our podcasts, and you know we heard about it, but we saw it in person. The blank sheet that comes with it, so they don't even have the ingredients there, but yet they're injecting people with it. Same with doctors, same with nurses. And I know for me, we had to look up the ingredients. We had to know, like, are you allergic to this? Do you have this? And they still don't have that. I mean, that's, that's a scary thing. Um, and go ahead. No, I was just, I mean, it's just, this is just my, my whole thing is it's like, if you just break all this down and go to the, the bottom level of everything, you know, why is it that more people have died in 2021 during the, you know, when we've had these vaccines available than in all of 2020 when we did it Great question. of COVID. Like to me, that's like, why are we not facing reality here to say that these shots are still safe and effective? They still need to be given. They're still saving lives. They're still preventing COVID. All these crazy things. It's like more people have died in 2021 than in 2020. That's yeah. all you need to look at, right? And oh, that's yeah. we, need, we, we need to sue these agencies for violating the Truth and Advertising Act. Yes. They've absolutely given false information. And to make a claim of safe and effective is a lie. And if you look at the insurance company data, that's what tells the truth. So like when Indiana Life came out and they've been around since 1875 and their CEO said, people, we have a problem. So for a 200 year period of time, a catastrophic event would be a 10% increase in claims for uh, a large life insurance, disability insurance. Well, what did they see in the ages of 18 to 64? They saw a 40% increase. And then it wasn't just them. Then a, a, a bunch of other large insurers came out and you know some of them were seeing 57, 58% increase in claims. This is billions of dollars. So the money, the money men and women on Wall Street are going, uh, Houston, we have a problem mm. because that was the healthy... Uh, working age cohort, age 18 to 64. And the majority of those happened in quarter three and four. What happened in quarter three and four? Mandates. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. in, in the young individuals, 18 to 24, we have seen more deaths now last year than we saw in Vietnam. That generation has experienced their own Vietnam, 61,000 deaths. Now, is it all the shots? No, I'm not going to say that. But what about over a hundred thousand drug overdoses, record drug overdoses. Mm -hmm. What about suicides? Yep. What, what about just loss and death from despair? Because the real pandemic hasn't been a virus that 99.99% of people survive under age, you know, 60. The, the real pandemic has been fear, you know, false mm -hmm. expectations as real. Mm -hmm. And so they separated us, they locked us down, put a face diaper on, you know, live in fear and wait for our shot instead of saying, huh, really for the health of humanity, community is important for mental health and wellness. Community is important. The second leading risk factor was fear, stress, and anxiety disorders following obesity. And, and what did they do? They, they imposed upon people fear and anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah. and it's, that's how you control them. Right. So whether or not that was the intention, we can speculate about that all day long. But the way that you control people is you keep them afraid. And then you you try to get them to trust that you're going to be their savior. You're the one that can help them get out of it. And we created that world for most people. And unless you were like us questioning, asking, um, thinking, mm, this doesn't sound right. For example, I think one of the first telltale signs kind of going back to what you said, you know, Dr. Cole, you looked at the pathology and said this 
This part of the spike protein is man-made. This is not something I see in nature. So you had that, but someone like me, not a scientist, what I had was, why are y'all doubling down on the fact that it came from a meat market across the street from the Wuhan lab? Like, <laughs> I don't like, that's what made my alarm bells go, that's weird that you're so sure that didn't happen. I mean, yeah. we, if you're creating the virus across the street, and tell yeah. me to believe that it came from someone eating the head off of a bat or whatever they try to say that again. <laughs> I'm like, that does not well, make sense, right? And I have I have Chinese friends that are like, oh, well, that bat doesn't even exist in that area. And and oh. for heaven's sakes, we don't eat we don't eat bats. So this cultural appropriation and blame saying, oh gosh, you know, it came from a bat and they're eating bat. No, they're not. <laughs> Thank you. They called everybody a conspiracy theorist who thought that immediately that was what you were tagged is another red flag. The minute they call somebody a conspiracy theorist, I'm like, okay. Well, I think that's another thing with the fear and the isolation, you know, when you're ice, when they isolate you and you're fearful and the only thing you can see is what's on TV or what's not censored and it's one-sided censorship. I mean, this is where I have a love-hate relationship with social media though, because it has connected me with a lot of people. And the only reason I knew about you, Dr. Cole, is because of social media, because your video went viral, because somebody I didn't even know shared it. You know, but, but that's how it has worked. So, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, but that is also a way to control and manipulate people. Right. Now, do you guys know about the Trusted News Initiative? Yes. Talk about that though, Dr. Cole, because we okay. only, only talked about it once. So tell that again. Yeah. Critically important. So in 2019, uh, let's see, Reuters, AP, BBC, New York Times, CBC Canada, European Broadcasting, India Broadcasting, Microsoft, LinkedIn, uh, all the major media. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, it's a mob-like RICO behavior. They all got together and, and they got together and formed the Trusted News Initiative, which is Orwellian because they're saying, trust us. And just the opposite, because they're not truthful nor transparent. But their first goal was election integrity back at the end of 2019 when they formed. When, when that was all said and done, their next goal was to squash and suppress anything that didn't follow the narrative about the pandemic, the shots, and suppressing early treatment was one of their other early, early goals that we saw. So, and, and, and then you have to look at, you know, most of these agencies, Bill Gates passed out, what was it, $390 million to the majority of these news sources. Um, and you have to look at his investments in vaccines and his comments a month ago saying, oh gosh, sadly, as a natural vaccine. And then you also have to look at all these voices parroting each other. And when you want to find the truth, you can't go to this mainstream legacy media, nor these social media sources, because they're controlled and they're quote fact checkers that have quote fact checked me aren't scientists. These aren't scientists. They haven't seen 500,000 patients, even our agencies, none of these agency officials have treated a single COVID patient. So we've been fed uh, a, a long stream of lies for two years, and they're still doing it. Uh, I was just in New York um, for the weekend with five different Orthodox Jewish congregations trying to teach the rabbis so that they can help their congregations protect the children from the shot mandates in their schools to try to help form lawsuits. And, and, and this is what we need to do anywhere that there is still a mandate for a shot or anything like this. I'm a beekeeper. It's one of my other hobbies is we need to be like a swarm of bees. We need to file a thousand lawsuits and come at them from every direction yes. because what they're doing is illegal. What they're doing is unconstitutional and what they're doing is harming people. 
the yeah. shot, especially, I mean, the shot is more harmful than good, especially with Omicron. It's more harmful than good for children. If you look at the data out of the UK, the all-cause deaths in children after the shot are 52 times higher than a child with COVID. 52 times. Okay, that we have to pause on that because we have a lot of mom and dads who listen and either they've, they've felt pressure from their pediatricians to get this, from the schools their children attend, so I want you to just repeat that again, Dr. Cole. If a, <laughs> if a parent says to you today, Dr. Cole, I'm considering getting this vaccine for my child. Tell me why I should or should not do it. What, it, what would you say? Death. Death. <laughs> Death is a risk. Long, yeah. Long-term infertility is a risk. Um, autoimmune disease is a risk. Cancer is a risk. Where there is risk, there must be choice. And, and the data from Scotland, the data from the UK, um, they went and looked, okay, for the children that got the shots, all causes, I'm not saying they all died from the shot, but the other diseases that it can induce, there's a 52-fold increase in death in the children that got shots. Now, wow. is there a lot of children? No, because most children don't die from COVID anyway. Right. And you know, their survival rate in no healthy child in the world should get these shots. And months ago, months ago, the Scandinavian nations, Norway, um, Sweden, and some of the Asian nations, Taiwan, uh, you know, they, they basically said, look, nobody under 30 should get an mRNA shot. And they were being, you know, I think towing a line, whatever, politically. But at the end of the day, why are all these other nations on earth seeing all this damage and saying, uh, nobody under 30 gets this, there's too much risk. And our nation is trying to, well, you know, our, our trials failed on the six month to four year olds, but we're gonna keep trying. I'm like, okay. why? Well, okay. And here's another lie that, that we get. You know, if, if, the CDC, obviously New York Times article, President Day, uh, President's Day, New York Times showed that CDC has been withholding the data and information from the American people because it wasn't, quote, ready for prime time. So how can you know you're getting the truth when they're hiding it from you? Is there transparency? Absolutely not. Is there truth? No. Do I trust them? No. Should you trust them? No. And if we look at the data from the UK, and, and they have weekly data, when was the last time we had a weekly update from any agency? When was the last time we had a data safety briefing on any vaccine? I don't like calling them vaccines, chin shots. Um, never. So mm -hmm. look at the UK data in January, as of January, 96% of the UK children had already had COVID. Guess what? In June of last year, 42% of American children had already had COVID before Delta or Omicron ever hit. So we can assume scientifically and logically, 90 plus percent of American kids have already had COVID. Now, if you have COVID and you get a shot after you've had COVID, you have a two to four times increased risk of adverse reactions. Papers from Dr. Rao, Dr. Kammer, Dr. Methudius, and like three or four others. You, I mean, natural immunity is real. If you've had COVID, you don't need a shot. Children don't have the same receptors upregulated in their bodies that adults do. They're at lower risk because they don't even bind the virus at the, at the volumes that adults do. Their immune systems are two to three times stronger than adults' immune systems. If you have a child, and you give them a shot, and I, I say this guardedly and cautiously, in my scientific opinion, that's child abuse. Mm -hmm. And since when, since when does a school board member or a school board get to practice medicine without a license? Exactly. They don't. Well, 
they can't even get bus routes right. I don't know why in the world we think we're going to ask them to be our doctors. I mean, it is, it's madness, but that's where we got because fear does that, right? So, so scared people start looking to the people in charge to tell them what to do to get out of the fear. But, well, but it's they, like they've turned their brains off. But being afraid, your kid, if he hasn't, he or she hasn't had COVID, they're going to get it. They're going to have a sniffle. They're going to have a cold. They're going to be fine. Yes. Unless well, they have diabetes or severe cancer or something, you know, then those are the ones you guard and protect. But, you know, to your point, even on the bus routes, since when does any school board get to say to humanity, in order to come to my school, for the which you pay tax dollars, you have to be a subject in the largest scientific experiment on humanity. These aren't approved. It's with a gene therapy that has not even been tested on the current variant. Which like, is we're not even echo. getting we're not even getting a medicine that was clinically tested for what we have. That's gone. Like right. Alpha's right. gone. Alpha well, is with, with, with Fauci right now. Well, I think this, you're hanging out. You bring up a great point. This shot <laughs> has not been reformulated since it rolled out. It was formulated for the Wuhan variant of the spike. That went extinct over a year ago. It doesn't exist in humanity. We, were we are several variants later now. And that's why this shot doesn't even cover the variant we have. And it never will. Because with this family of viruses, and this goes back to immunology and virology in my background, Historically, we've there, there are about 40 plus coronaviruses that exist in mammals, and there's seven that affect humans now. We have never been able to vaccinate against coronavirus because of how it always mutates away from um, where it started. And you can't play whack-a-mole with a vaccine chasing this virus. And these shots weaken the immune system, weaken your innate immune response, the little Marines, the T cells of your immune system, and children have a super strong innate immune system. And when you get these shots, it puts those to sleep. It, it says to those Marines, hey, go back to the barracks, get drunk and go to sleep. Other viruses wake up, autoimmune diseases wake up, cancers wake up because these cells are gone. And these, these are your surveillance, knocking the door of every cell in your body. Right, right this moment, everybody listening to me has about 30 billion T cells circulating. 30 billion, and they're just shaking hands with every cell, friend or foe, friend or foe. And if it's if it has a mutation, it'll kill that cell. If it's a virus, oh, that's a foe. If it's a bacteria that doesn't belong, it's a foe. So all day long, we have that surveillance. And children have a, a two to three times stronger surveillance than we do. But if we give them the shot, they don't. And that was a study by Dr. Fossa out of the Netherlands. He showed how our innate immune system after these shots gets turned off. And so it's insane to say this fantastic body that we're blessed with has these fantastic protective me um, um, mechanisms, especially against coronavirus. I mean, children in the flu, more children die from the flu than coronavirus. And, and, and so why are we putting their bodies at risk, putting their T cells to sleep, putting their immune system to sleep, putting them at risk for a higher infection rate for you know, sleeping viruses, we have sleeping viruses in our body, you know, in a laboratory, Epstein-Barr mononucleosis, waking up after the shots, herpes family viruses, waking up after the shots, women who have had HPV, you know, in their cervical biopsies before waking up after the shots, all sorts of viruses waking up after the shots. And that's because this mRNA platform, there's a study out of Stanford last month that you know, normally mRNA in the body, mRNA is normal. We have it in our cells all day long. It, it gives a little signal, uh, makes a protein, gets degraded in seconds to minutes. 
Stanford showed that the mRNA, because of this synthetic sequence or synthetic nucleotide that's added to the mRNA, stabilizes it. Instead of going away in seconds to minutes, two months later, it's still persisting in the lymphoid tissues. And spike is still be ma being made two months later. What does this mean? Well, that spike is the toxic poisonous part of this virus. We didn't know that at first, but studies out of the Salk Institute without the, the ball, all the other proteins, the other 28 proteins of the virus, just the spike alone causes all the same inflammatory diseases in the lung, the heart, the brain, the liver, the ovaries, the testes, all parts of the body, just the spike. So we chose to give a shot that makes the toxic part of this virus. And we are still giving a toxic, a sequence that makes a toxic protein to people and saying, you need a third one, you need a fourth one. We are in, so, so okay, so you wake up this morning, you have your eggs and I come in as a friend and say, hey, I'm just gonna sprinkle just a little bit of arsenic on your eggs, you'll be okay. You may get a really crampy tummy, may have to go to the ER, a little hair may fall out, but you'll be okay in a week or two or three. But if I do that repeatedly, you're gonna die. Mm -hmm. It's gonna cause problems. So why would you, oh, sorry, some sirens going by here. Uh, <laughs> I'm my best friend. He's a firefighter. He and I do a lot of woodworking. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, you know, to continuously dose people with a toxic protein and a toxic poison, it, since when in medicine, is that a good idea? It is not. So is that why, like, when you, when you said that the, the mutation, um, the, what, what made you think that it was a synthetic lab thing? It's, it was in the virus and the vaccine, you said. Yeah, right. you're in cleavage site. And, and then we found out in a paper last month that, gosh, Moderna had already patented that little protein within the spike. Okay, so that those of us who have come in contact with COVID naturally, we've come in contact with this synthetic mm -hmm. cleavage site, but we were able to clear it because you're saying- Your point, great point, because that Stanford study showed that. So in a natural infection, you clear it very quickly because in a natural infection, um, you, you get an immune response to all the proteins on the virus, 28 proteins plus the spike. And our T cells are awake. Our Marines aren't drunk and sleeping. Our Marines are on call. <laughs> and, and so this is fascinating. So like in the UK on week 42 data, they, they showed that if you had two shots and then got COVID, your immune system has committed what we call original antigenic sin. It, it's like a horse with blinders on it only wants to see the spike. And now it's been blinded to several other parts of the virus. So you can't mount a broad, full natural response to an infection. And that may be permanent. And so if you get one shot and another and another, your immune system's like, I'm going to hone in on that spike to the detriment of not recognizing the rest of the virus. That's why people that are getting two and three shots are still getting COVID because they don't have a broad natural immune response. If you got COVID, your body, your T cells, your antibodies from antibodies, everybody panics about antibodies. Your antibody levels will always go down because if you had antibodies to every pathogen you're exposed to all day long, your blood would sludge. And so antibodies go down, but you, you still have memory cells in your bone marrow and your lymph nodes. But you also, if you get a natural infection, get a broad T cell response and have T cell memory. Your T cells are what matter. That innate immune system is what matters. So people who had SARS-CoV-1 two decades ago, 18 years later, still have immune memory to SARS-CoV-1. But guess what? They also have cross immunity to SARS-CoV-2 because it's almost 80% similar. So when we're giving a shot, that is suppressing that innate immune system, 
that's suppressing the ability to make this T cell, the important memory, not the B cell antibody memory. That's, a, that's important, but it's not critical. What's important is your T cell memory. And we're suppressing it with bad science, bad shots, bad gene shots, bad medicine, bad theory. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. The Pfizer CEO is saying we need a fourth shot, right? Well, he, well, he had that interview with Washington Post, and I think they're they're starting to cover their hides because they realize the data's coming out. People are waking up. People realize, well, I did what I was supposed to. I got two, three shots, whatever. I still got COVID. And some people, too, you know, the data earlier uh, are seeing a lot of family and friends die at premature ages. Yes. Uh, friends that are still suffering uh, post-shot from vaccine injury. Uh, people who are you know, soccer players dying left and right on the pitch in uh, Europe. Um, this is what I was going to bring up when you were talking about how the other countries, they started, they stopped giving or mandating the jab for yeah. people 30 and under when they were seeing all of these, you yes. know, issues come up. Whereas here, we're just normalizing it. Yeah. We yeah. are saying that, Daylight you know, savings. They're, they're saying that daylight savings can cause heart attacks. They're oh, saying and, that and shaking your, your duvet. Yeah, shaking yeah, your duvet. Yeah, too hard. shaking your duvet. Yes, this is um, literally what's going on. And then they're talking, they're even showing like what they just people to pill too, for um, kids for strokes. And yeah. they're talking about all these athletes and celebrities are getting blood clots. Mm -hmm. They never had this before, y'all. Well, I, can I just say this? So I had blood clots in pregnancy at 23. Now had all the tests done at Duke, never could figure out why I was healthy, didn't gain a lot of weight. Like I, I wasn't a candidate to get DVT, severe DVT that went undiagnosed for three different hospital visits. Anyway, here's the thing. I am very keen on listening out when people have blood clot or blood clot symptoms. I will tell people, go get you a Doppler right now. You know, I'm, I'm very vigilant about this. And I notice in the press when people are talking about blood clotting, Okay. In my, and that was 23 years ago. In 23 years, I have never heard of so many people having cardiac events and blood clots in their 20s, 30s, 40s for no reason. They're not on airplanes. They're not pregnant. They're not on long car rides. Like otherwise healthy. In fact, like you said, many athletes. And so I want you to talk about this, about how, what you're seeing, the pathology, because I heard you talking about this with Steve Kirsch, I think it was, where you were explaining. What you're seeing, even yeah. you know, postmortem. Yeah. What are you seeing about these blood clots? Can you explain that to the listeners? Yes. Oh, he's got oh. pictures. I got pictures. So <laughs> we'll have I to do a recording of this on the from the Zoom. Yes. Yes. So, so here you go. This big long stringy thing. Yes. That pulled from an, uh, a postmortem patient. No. These are six inches, twelve inches. You know, 24, 36 inches long. They an embalmer normally can break down clots when they're putting the embalming fluid and preserving the body. You know, I've done studies. Here's a whole stack of slides on these clots. Mm -hmm. These are not normal clots, people. And this is what's fascinating. So Dr. Pretorius out of South Africa, she did a great study showing the spike. So, so normally a clot is your platelets and some fibrin. And there's this whole, you know, I, I won't go into a, the hour lecture on the clotting cascade. But she found in her study that you can take all the platelets out of the plasma, all the proteins that are there in the plasma, put the spike in, and it still causes all this fibrin to clump together. So the spike in and of itself is causing all this, all this fibrin forming these rigid clots that are end up elongating within your veins and become big and floppy. And so it's crazy because this is not 
natural. This is not anything we've seen before. And then there's a type of protein when all these proteins clump together called amyloid. And that's why they're not breaking down. Normally we have an, you, form, you know, you scrape your arm, you bleed a little, you form a clot. And over time it all heals because you've got little enzymes that come in and break down that clot. These don't break down that way. These are not natural clots because a synthetic protein is bypassing all those natural clotting mechanisms and instantaneously causing clotting. So wow. people are getting the shot and you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, the earlier variants of COVID caused a lot of clotting. Omicron doesn't. The side effects we're seeing from Omicron are people that have been immune primed by getting the shots and then getting Omicron and having immune problems causing death. But with, with the clots, okay, those aren't normal. Now in the lab, we can measure you know, different split products off of these clots, D-dimer and, and other things. I'm seeing p patients that have had their shot and they still I'm like, okay, so when we left off, we just had a little technical glitch. We'll try to edit this together, but in case none of it makes sense, people are like, wait, why did y'all jump topics? We were talking with Dr. Cole about the blood clotting issue, and he's got the long white string. By the way, guys, we will have to show you a picture of what he showed us. It, it, we've heard about this when they were talking about it's white, it's, it's extremely long. You know, at first it sounds like science fiction, and it sounds like there's no way that's true. But we're looking at it, and you're telling us, you're telling us, Dr. Cole, that you've not seen this until now, post-vaccination, and these are people with the COVID-19 vaccines. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, that's a great question. And, and with the earlier variants, obviously, a lot of the COVID patients uh, were having bad outcomes because of a lot of clotting. That spike protein induces clot, no matter what. But the spike protein that's in the shot is the same protein. And it does the same thing. So why would you put in your body something that causes clots? And, and, and the majority of people that got that shot, it, it didn't give them any extra protection. I mean, you, you'll hear the claim that, gosh, it decreased, it, it decreased severity in hospitalization. I even questioned some of those data points because the hospitals were lying to us about who was vaccinated and unvaccinated. If we look at the military database, I mean, the, the department, yeah, Defense uh, Medical Epidemiology database, going back to uh, early fall, late summer of last year, 75% of their hospitalizations were in the vaccinated. And we were hearing this mantra from governments that, oh gosh, no, you know, it's a, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Nonsense. That was a huge lie even last year. And we saw that in England, right? I believe it was England Absolutely. showing that that was not the case. So it Absolutely. would have been almost weird that only the United States Right. Had all these unvaccinated patients dying of COVID, right? Right. right. It was a lie for fear. It was a lie and, for fear. And same with, and, and I want to bring back one other thing too uh, that you mentioned earlier. I want to elaborate just a second because this just came out. Health and Human Services had been paying out money to our big, our big media giants, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, uh -huh. CBS. I mean, you name it, NBC, ABC. They were paid money to speak favorably about the vaccines, to promote the vaccines, yet they never disclosed to the public that they were being paid to talk about the vaccines. Do I have that right, Dr. Cole? You do, and in fact, you know, uh, Surgeon General Murthy uh, sent out a survey last week saying, please share with us how COVID dis or misinformation has affected you, and which is, you know, a total communist, you know, whistle rat on your neighbor thing. So I would encourage everybody to go and answer that and say, well, let's see, the misinformation that's hurt me has come from the CDC, the FDA, from Murthy, from Fauci, from Burks, from Biden, from 
you well, know, the news be. media, you know, flip it on them, flip yeah. it on them, because really that's where the mis and disinformation has come from. And, and, and you know, the Homeland Security a couple of weeks ago, or a month or so ago, sent out their, uh, you know, domestic terrorists or people that, you know, spread mis, dis, malinformation, MDM, about COVID. And I tell people, I'm not a terrorist, I'm a teacherist. I like to teach. And, <laughs> and so it's just, it's crazy what they're doing. But well, you know, go back here. I got on a tangent here. Go back here. Your early yeah, clots. Clots. COVID caused clots, but the shots caused a lot of clots. And and we see patients. Not everybody. Here's here's what's weird about this. We know there's different concentrations in the batches. Um, there's different concentrations in the different manufacturers. Now, I was talking to some colleagues last night from the International Alliance of Physicians and Medical Scientists, and we said, you know, really the message needs to be now mRNA shots of any sort, because now they're working on flu and RSV. mRNA is a non-proven technology. It has never been used on humanity before. So COVID schmovid, yeah, we need to stop them now. No, no mother with a brain in her head within the sound of my voice should give it this shot to their child, period. All risk, no reward, you're putting your child at risk. Are you gonna, are you gonna put Johnny or you know Jenny out in the street in front of a, a car or a bus? I mean, the bus might swerve and miss them, but the bus people, might hit them. I think people still are doing it. A lot of people are doing it because they're, they think by giving their kid a shot, it's protecting someone else. I really Nonsense. think people are still yeah. saying, well, I know my kid will be fine, but his grandparents no, take care of them, you know? But That's you know what? Grandma and grandpa have had all the shots. If the shots actually worked, you wouldn't. Exactly. So, no, I mean, this is the logical fallacy. It's like, well, grandma had three shots, but I still need to give my kid a shot to protect grandma. Right. Can't they connect the dot and say, well, gosh, if the shot works, then my kid doesn't need a shot because grandma's had the shots. But exactly. if it doesn't work for grandma, it doesn't work for anybody. And <laughs> since when in the history of humanity, we use children as human shields. It right. is not Junior's job to protect grandma who's had eight decades of life. It is grandma's job to protect Junior. Yes. We have yes. flipped. Where, where have our values, our morals, our ethics gone? There's no logic in this. And again, ask, ask any mom or dad, hey, we're going for a walk down the sidewalk. Are you going to just push your child out into the street into the way of an oncoming vehicle? Of course you're not. Or are you going to give you know Johnny or Julie a, a one bullet in six chambers and spin it and see which which kid makes it and which kid doesn't? Of course you're not. It's no different here. This is an unproven experimental technology. We're seeing a lot of damage in the laboratory from it. We're seeing a lot of clinical damage around the world from it. Not everybody, but we don't know the long-term effects. I can't advance that clock and say, well, gosh, everybody, you know, 90 whatever percent of people that got the shot are going to be fine. We don't know that yet. And I think that's the most important part is if a doctor or anybody can't answer the question, will my kid have fertility problems? Will my kid have autoimmune issues? Will my kid have cancer? Anything like that. If you have no, nobody knows, nobody can say no. Well, we have a good signal. So the, the defense military database, epidemiology database. So when I was uh, in Senate hearing with Senator Johnson, um, Tom Renz came forward with the military data. Well, this is important because they took five years of data from 2016 to 2020, and they looked at all sorts of diseases and what the rates were. And then in 2021, they did an analysis. Now, the military updates their data weekly to protect their troops, to know what's going on. You know, is there a new hydraulic fluid that's poisonous and people are getting sick? Is there a bio threat? Whatever. So the epidemiologists from the military came forward and said, um, we have a signal here that's really bad. So to your point, 
um, there was an over 300 plus percent infertility increase in women, a 300 percent in men, a thousand percent increase in visits for neurologic diseases, 2,000 percent increase of visits for hypertension, um, uh, multiple sclerosis, almost a 700 percent, just across the board, everything was up. And then what happened is after that hearing, the military froze the database and came back a week later and said, oh, we just forgot to update five years of data, which is BS. Mm -hmm. This is as big as Watergate and heads should roll and people should go to prison for this as well. Because I mean, we have the data, uh, it's held in a lot of locations and they can't hide what they did, but those signals are there. And, and you know, like I had reported last year, look, there's an increase in women's health cancer there is. I, I was seeing it. Now, you know, it was, I usually see maybe two uterine cancers a month. And, and now on average, I may see, you know, two or three a week. So that's a huge increase. And now I've been doing this for 26 years. So I know the patterns. I know what I'm going to see. And like women that had bleeding problems after the shots, University of Chicago did a study or, you know, put out a survey to do a study. They wanted 5,000 women to sign up. 140,000 women inquired. That tells you that this, the, and it's not just the mRNA, it's the lipid nanoparticle. It has lipids in it that have never been used on humans before. And, and we know from biodistribution studies that those lipids go to the bone marrow, to the brain, to the liver, to the spleen, but nowhere else they concentrate in the ovaries. Can I add, and, is it, I'm sorry, I want to ask ahead. your thoughts on the shedding. Like, so there are people, I don't, I, I, I want to believe that we chose not to get this shot and so we're fine. But then you hear things like, well, if you're around somebody who just got vaccinated, vac vaccines shed. And then, cause you've heard of people, we've heard of people well, having I mean, menstrual I think we heard a lot issues of like menstrual cycles. Who weren't vaccinated, but were just around people that were. So how does that? Right, okay, so I, I have a theory on this. There's been no really good study on this. In, in Wuhan, in the subways, they could detect the spike in the sweat of individuals just from the virus itself, from infection. Oh, so wow. we know that the virus does shed in secretions. We know that the spike can circulate in little exosomes within the body from a Journal of Immunology study for up to four months. So people, you know, like that Stanford study are, are producing spike for a long time. And the natural infection, not so long in the vaccinated and much longer. Now, the dose makes the poison in life. So how much spike is being shed? Well, and can it be you know, transmitted sexually? Yes. Um, because it's in secretions. So <clears throat> your immune system, when exposed to the spike, can have a reaction. Now, if someone has cleared most of the spike and is, you know, sweating or breathing or secreting some spike, you know, it's probably not going to cause a huge reaction. If you've already had COVID, you know, if it enters through a mucosal site in your body, your, your eyes, your nose, your throat, and you've had COVID, you have these fantastic little secretory IgA antibodies, these little mops that just, boom, clean it up right away, and you're not going to have a reaction to it. Um, with the, the menstrual irregularities in women that were around women that got the shot, my theory is this, there's so much honing of that lipid and that spike to the ovary, because the ovary and the eggs have a lot of ACE2 receptor. And this goes to the, the young women and moms that want to give their kids the shot. A young woman has all the eggs she'll ever be born with. There's a lot of ACE2 receptor on that. This spike circulates in the body and can bind to that and then cause inflammation. 
So when the ovary gets stimulated excessively between lipid and spike, now it's inflamed and you shift your hormones. So just like women in a college dorm will end up cycling together eventually, I think that, and again, I'm, I'm hypothesizing here, but it makes sense. <clears throat> I think they're getting so much inflammation in the ovary, they're shifting their hormonal pattern that they're giving off a pheromone that is inducing a hormonal shift in the women around them. That makes more sense than the amount of spike they would be shedding. That's so interesting because I have, uh, I, I know someone whose husband got both shots and she did not know. He did not tell her after because he knew her feelings on it, felt pressure from work. In the meantime, she does not know that he's gotten this. All of a sudden, her cycle's off. Yeah. All of a sudden, their child is passing out for no reason. They're literally taking the, the child to pediatric visits. trying to, they, they come up with, we think she's dehydrated. I mean, it was yeah. something like that. Okay. That could be total coincidence, right? We're <laughs> hypothesizing on this. But, she, but of course, once she found out what had happened, she said, no wonder my cycle was so off, like in very heavy bleeding, like crazy stuff. And she said, could this be yeah. from what he did? And it I said, okay. yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, I think it's page 67 of Pfizer's EUA application on page 67. It says uh, pregnant, uh, anyone who got the shot shouldn't be in the room or have skin contact with uh, a pregnant woman. So it was in Pfizer's application. So they knew, and there's such a thing as, as self-spreading vaccines. This is technology that's been worked on for quite a few years. They, um, they did it for a uh, rabbit's uh, fertility study. You know, they, they gave a certain vaccine to rabbits so they would go back to the warren, the den, and make the other rabbits sterile. And so self-spreading vaccines are absolutely a scientific thing. Yeah. So that's, you know, it, it's an interesting thought when you connect the dots and I'm not saying it is or it isn't. And I, I haven't seen a good study on the shedding thing, but does it happen? It does. And, and, and something I learned in medicine, and I wish some of my other colleagues would go back to this. I was taught that when the patient says something, you listen to them and believe them. Absolutely. Absolutely. When what happened to that? You should be able to question without being called a conspiracy theorist or without immediately being shut down. And um, if we're going to come back to when we're talking about the trial, um, you know, in the study, I know you talked about the study design and I had even noticed um, when I looked at this, uh, when they were mandating it for everybody trying to push it. And I was like, they didn't even include people with cancer. They didn't even include people who had had COVID. In fact, they were excluded. It was the exclusion criteria. And right. pregnant women were not in there. And they actually said, if you get pregnant, you have to let them know. And I think they had to get out. I may be wrong on that. But I do know, I, and I'm sitting here, how in the world is the, the OB, all, all these OB, what is their organization? I'm trying, I'm having a break. ACOG, ACOG American College. Yeah, they're they're recommending and, and yeah. pressuring people. And, and doctors are pressuring cancer patients. We even have a friend. Um, her daughter has cancer, is uh, 20 something, I think years old, like a young mom. And the doctor kept recommend, strongly recommending pressure, even called her and said, you need to get it. Even after she kept saying, I don't want to, I don't want to. She goes back for an appointment just recently and the doctor said, did you ever get the jab? And she said, no. And the doctor said, I'm glad you didn't because now they're realizing that this actually has an adverse effect with the chemo that she's getting. And that's the whole point is that they don't know. Correct. They don't know. But yet they're but yet they are strongly forcing yeah. it or in yeah. you know, which is which is literally a crime against humanity. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean they, they don't know. It's all experimental. They're forcing people to do it. 
they're fearing people into doing it. They're pressuring, they're coercing people. Anybody that wanted a shot got a shot. Beyond that, anything beyond that is now coercion. Anything mm -hmm. beyond that is, is blackmail and coercion. You know, you, you, you don't get to keep a job unless you get a gene jab that's an experiment. That's nonsense. That is so unethical, so immoral, so non-scientific. Now that we know they're causing more harm than good, especially now that they don't even cover the variant that's here and they don't update it. And so the shot causes more clotting than Omicron now. Mm -hmm. um, Omicron, because that little fear and cleavage site doesn't split off at the rate the other variants did, Omicron isn't causing as much clotting. That's why we're seeing better outcomes with Omicron. The yeah. shot is causing more damage. All of this needs to end yesterday, scientifically, logically, um, ethically, morally. Uh, it just needs to end. I mean, I, I, I you know, jokingly heard that you know, no, um, Putin should get the Nobel Prize in Medicine for uh, <laughs> ending the COVID nineteen pandemic. I, I, that was pretty funny. Just like that. It's like Putin's gone. Wait, we can't say anything positive about him because that would be. Oh. Propaganda, and we will be. Oh, it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> no, you know I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding because uh, it's so crazy, but it is true. Someone's like, "Thank you. Can we thank him for that?" Because yeah. you're well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. That is the. That's kind of what we want to come back to, Dr. Cole. Is that everybody? We, like our last episode, we called "COVID's over." You know, as a, jokingly, but it should be. But but it's like no one's talking about this now because if we did, we'd have to acknowledge the vaccines failed miserably. To your point, the data now showing you were actually more likely to get COVID, or even worse, have side effects, unwanted side effects, some of which we still don't know. And we had, I remember listening to Garrett Vandenbosch back in 2021, early on when they first brought out these these vaccines. And he was one of the first voices, I will never forget where I was when I heard him. Um, but I heard him say, this is the wrong weapon for the wrong war. We cannot vaccinate our way out of this. And my fear is based on the science, and he was again looking at the science as he knew it at the time, we will create more death and more uh, sickness in the end, oh, long term, that he really, I mean, he, he gave a dire message. I'm not gonna, I'm not, it was, it was frightening. I had already at the time decided because of my blood clot history, I was never getting that vaccine. But I would roll the dice on COVID, got it, was fine, took ivermectin, the end, right? Ivermectin and all the protocols. Okay, so here's my question to you. Now you're seeing the pathology, right? He made a prediction back before we had all the evidence. Now you're seeing the pathology of people who have had the jabs. What do you see? What is different than it was, let's say, a year and a half ago for you? An increase in certain types of cancers, for sure, which matches the military database. Um, they saw a 218% increase in cancer, about a 400% of gastric cancer, 300% testicular cancer, a um, couple hundred percent in other cancers. So I've been seeing that. My database of, of my lab isn't big enough to make a broad, you know, I, 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 mine is anecdotal, admittedly. But I see 25,000 patients a year, 40,000 biopsies. So mine doesn't have statistical significance, but I'm seeing the pattern. And I'm also seeing those biopsies of woken up viruses, that little bump the kids get, molluscum contagiosum, looks like a little white dot with a volcano in the middle. You don't see that in elderly patients. When the shots rolled out, that was my first signal. And I'm like, oh gosh. Why am I seeing this in 80, 70, 60 year olds as it kept coming down in age groups? I'm like, because their immune system's going to sleep. And that was before Dr. Foss's paper even came out. So I knew it right away that we were suppressing the innate immune response. Vandenbosch was 100% correct. 
we are going to weaken and mess up the innate immune response, that T-cell marine response of the immune system. He was right. Now, in certain labs, we're seeing a drop in the lymphocyte counts, and we're seeing patients that get the second or the third jab getting false positives on HIV tests, which is interesting, which is fascinating because there are four snippets that match HIV sequence within the code for the spike protein. That's not natural. And, and I have a virologist, uh, immunologist, drug developer friend, physician down in Texas. She's seeing it too. And she and I have been going over the mechanisms as to why. Again, the dose makes the poison. And now, you know, the more you get of that spike, the more revved your immune system is going to be. It's the wrong spike. It's the wrong shape for the wrong virus now. So now we can only be causing harm with it because we are modulating immune responses over time. I'm seeing it in some lab data. I'm reading the data from the world. It's not just me seeing it. I get oncologists left and right calling me now or when I'm at, you know, these global COVID summits uh, talking, people come up and say, you know what? You're right. I'm seeing 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds with cancers, you know, de novo. And then others, they're saying, look, I had a patient. I'm treating for this type of cancer. I've been in this for 30 years. I can usually give them five to 10 years of life, no problem. They get shot. It's usually after shot two or three um, because the dose makes the poison. Their cancers are going from stage one or two to stage four within like four weeks, like yeah. wildfires. And, and it's happening. And to everybody, no, but to too many, yes. Am I still seeing persistent elevated clotting factors in patients that are getting, getting the shots? You bet I am. Um, we're across the board, they're just weird. Pap smears, you know, I'm sitting here looking at pap smears and, you know, I'm seeing HPV in 60 year old women, 50, 60, 70 year old women. And it's because their body was keeping that virus in check. It's not anymore. Mm -hmm. um, just all sorts of things. Just things are skittywampus. Yeah, even there's a, a test that a test that we do in the lab for syphilis called an RPR. We're getting false positives on RPRs. There's an excess of a wrong amount of antibodies that are triggering lab tests. There's kind of a super antigen, a super protein part of this spike that is cross-reacting with too many other diseases and giving false positives on laboratory tests. So again, we're using a, a synthetic toxic spike in a shot to cause disease in humanity. And it needs to stop yesterday. It absolutely, and, and I, you know, I, I always say, you know, as a qualifier, look, I may be wrong, but if I am, invite me to lunch or coffee or whatever, bring your papers, bring your data, let's sit down and compare. I'm in this, I'm in this for humanity. I'm not in this for myself. I've only lost in this process personally. You know, I've gained nothing. I've charged nothing for anything I do. And I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do for humanity. And so when I get these criticisms from my colleague, oh, he's a quack, you know, he's full of it, whatever. I'm like, well, let's see what your experience is in immunology, virology, pathology, and bring your paper. Show me where I'm wrong so I can do better on behalf of humanity. I'm seeing it. I'm observing it. I'm reporting it. I'm sharing it. That's science. Don't silence me for reporting what, I'm what you see. Yeah. I mean, I remember you saying, I'm seeing what they're not telling you or where they're trying yeah. to hold from you. Like, mm -hmm. for example, I do want to circle back to Fauci um, because, well, and before I say that, like, I do want to point out, and I loved this when um, you, when you and Dr. Malone, I don't know where, where were y'all? Was it like, was that Tennessee uh, or somewhere? We were in Tennessee last week and a couple weeks ago, uh, we were in Seattle to try to keep the kids from getting the shots yeah, there. It was about the, with the kids, but I remember him saying, or, and you too, but he was saying 
pathologists, like your expertise, but that what sets pathologists apart and what their main, and you know, you, I didn't even, of course we respect you, but I didn't have, didn't realize, you know, that y'all are really the main quality control system is what he was saying is that, and that y'all are the ones that detect patterns and changes. So yeah. you are the people that we need to be listening to, just like the insurance companies. And just like when we're looking at all cause mortality, when we're talking to the embalmers and the people at the funeral home, they're seeing it too. And why can't they? And, and you know, when you said, bring it on, look, Steve Kirsch is in, hasn't he offered like $2 million? Nobody's doing it. Uh, come on. You know, truth invites inspection, right? Isn't that yeah. what, that's what Brent, our uh, pharmacist friend told us, but I loved when you said, my job is to be the most important doctor that you never need, that you hope is always right. Correct. I loved that. I loved that. Yeah. But I mean, I have, you know, trays of patients here in front of me today. My job is to get 100% on the quiz every day of my life that I go to work. And, so and it's right. somebody's life and death in my hands and in my eyeballs. That's my job. And Malone is right. We're the ones that see that subtle change in the pattern. It's like, wait, what's off? And then we report it, you know, hypothesize, then we test the, the theory, uh, experiment, repeat. Is it repeatable? Is it something observable in other places? Yes. And to your point, Fauci said last year, hey, uh, to, to all the federal agencies, don't do autopsies. And then I always say, you cannot find that for which you do not look. So when you have doctors saying, oh gosh, you know, there's, there's no death from these shots. There's no injury. There's no vaccine injury. It's because they're not looking. And like uh, Dr. Gill out of Connecticut, Archives of Pathology a month ago, posted uh, a paper, peer-reviewed paper on the death in the 17 and 18-year-old, showed the spike in the heart. Look, the spike is there in the heart. That's why these young men are dying and young women are dying from myocarditis too, not at quite a high, as high of a rate because testosterone versus estrogen differences. But I mean, the under-reporting of myocarditis, half of, half of inflammation of the heart, myocarditis, is asymptomatic. You don't have symptoms. So for every one or two you see medically, there's another one or two that's happening. Now, the interesting thing on one of these kids in this autopsy report, because people like, I mean, I have a, a whole stack over here of autopsies that are finally being sent to me from around the country, and I'm doing those studies. And once I have a handful, I'll report them too. But they saw scarring in the heart of this one kid. They both died after their second shot. But there was scarring, meaning that after the first shot, he didn't have symptoms but he had already had inflammation and formed scar in the heart. Once your heart is scarred, it's scarred for life. You don't grow new heart cells. So how many children, okay, this goes back to the mom and dad's listening. Mm -hmm. How many children in society, and sadly the millions have already gotten it, how many of those are now literally scarred for life? We don't know, mm. we don't know. And, and, and you know, like, high-level athletes that compete at the Olympic level after they were started you know got forced into the shots you know they're reporting decrease in their athletic performance they know how far they push their human body and a one or two or a ten percent decrease means you go from second place or gold medal down to tenth or twentieth or thirtieth mm. and, and they know what they're seeing in their body there was a Swiss skier that she got her shot or no Swiss uh, Swiss runner and, and, and she can't run anymore uh, national mountain biking champion, uh, lives here in town, Kyle Warner. He's been on a lot of podcasts. Great kid. Yeah. I've been working with him and doing, you know, lab work with him and trying to, you know, 
he and a couple of good doctors in town are trying to get get him back to full strength. You know, he got called an anti-vaxxer. He, for heaven's sakes, went and got his shots. We want to have him on, too. I'll be shot yeah, we on Instagram. But it was, so it, I don't know if you saw it. But, yeah. He's yeah, he is such, very such a good soul. He's such a good soul. And But, again, he thought he was doing, you know, a, a societally good thing. Nobody, I, again, I'm not blaming anyone for getting him or not getting him. I am blaming the medical establishment, public health, and the government agencies for not telling the truth to the people and not being transparent. Um, and that's why I don't trust them because I see what I see and then they criticize me or attack me and then they pay the media to attack me and my colleagues. All we're trying to do is protect people from harm. That's my job. I took an oath yeah. to humanity and that's my job. Yeah. And whether you like it or not, what I'm telling you is the truth and I'm being 100% transparent. Mm -hmm. Challenge me to all my colleagues. Great, challenge me. Don't insult me. Attack the issue, not the person. What do we always say? Um, when you can't attack the facts, you attack the person. <laughs> exactly. It should always be ad rem, not ad hominem. At the issue, not at the person. That's it. That's it. And and I have to ask this just because this is going in my head. I do not want to try to like create some kind of, I'm not trying to talk about something that we don't have any facts that we can substantiate, but I want to go back to the Fauci thing for a minute because have we been able, I forever I've been told he is connected with Moderna. He's connected with Moderna. He's connected. Do we know how yet, Dr. Cole, have they shown the, how there's a financial tie or, what, or how he has been involved with them? Or is it just kind of understood? I think it's kind of understood. There was a Forbes article that kind of went to this last, last year. I think it was before I gave my talk in the, in the legislature. So if you go back in, in, in that article, they kind of probe the intertwining connections. Okay. So um, but we, we do know that money goes back to the NIH since they hold the patent. And we know that NIH researchers that hold patents get up to $150,000 a year for life from these patents they hold. So we know that NIH researchers that are granted, you know, different patent rights, they're golden. I mean, Fauci made 9 million bucks last year. I mean, Right. And on top of his $400,000 government salary, all his right. other things, he made a boatload of money. I'll, I'll so, trade salaries, but I won't trade him ethics. Right. Well, and that's the thing that I want, I want us to understand, because here's my other question. So we know Moderna never posted a, a profit in any quarter ever. They never the brought trial. a product to market ever. Right. So 20 years, 20 years, nothing. All of a sudden, but, they, but let's go back to the patent, because I want to make, I feel like people, this might have gone over their heads. You said. It just came out in the last few weeks, I think, right? That that in 2016, they filed a patent on the coronavirus in 2016, Moderna. Is that correct? And you can't get a patent unless it's man-made. You cannot do correct. it on nature. Correct. Okay. So there's the connection there. Now, my other question, because all of a sudden, the news is riddled with HIV making a comeback. HIV. Have you noticed this? There's HIV, HIV. How did I know Fauci? I knew him for his work with HIV back you, in the 80s. You mean his killing fields with yeah. HIV? <laughs> yes, there you go. So <laughs> I knew him from that. Now, all of a sudden, here's a company that there's an association with, a company that certainly got ties to the NIH, of which he is the head. He was also, of course, head of the NIH when they had these bio labs in Wuhan. They had removed him from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, near where I live, under the Obama administration, took him over there, still doing something, God knows what, 
but he, there's, he is connected to so much of this. And of course, nobody's going to report on it. But my question to you is, is it weird that all of a sudden <laughs> HIV and like, I know you described sort of what happens with the, with the uh, vaccines is sort of the reverse HIV. Like it's almost, you said like it was almost like a reverse a HIV happening, but what, what is going on with this autoimmune, you know, deficiency that's happening? Okay, is so it, is it just coincidence? Hey, and but Moderna's doing a trial. They just enrolled their first like participant in a HIV uh, vaccine mRNA trial too. Well, okay, here's what's fascinating. So if you really want to know the Fauci story, go read Bobby Kennedy's book. Yeah, I've got it. I just Everybody got it. needs to read that. Yes, for sure. Back, if every American read that, he would be in prison. Yes. <sighs> to the HIV question. So there was a good paper that came out just a couple of days ago, case report, but showing the HIV blood titers within a patient and then the blood titers after the shot. Well, it woke the virus back up. Why? Because those Marines of your immune system went to sleep and got drunk in the barracks. <laughs> we don't know how long it takes for them to wake back up. So not just HIV, but many other viruses. Mm -hmm. mm. Yep. So a lot of the long haulers, like patient, you know, this is one thing that's being missed societally. So I try to get this out whenever I, you know, chat with folks. Look, if you have chronic fatigue, long haul symptoms, get checked for mononucleosis, Epstein-Barr virus. Oh. That's the one thing I'm seeing left and right. Post-shot, especially, you know, 60 to 80% of patients that have these long haul symptoms, it's a simple, simple blood panel, four antibody test. And, and this, this viral nuclear and this nuclear, early nuclear capsid tell you whether it's woken back up or not. I, I speak from experience. I suffer chronic fatigue. I had a sinus surgery three years ago. I got adult reactivated Epstein-Barr. I suffer from it on and off. I go, I wax and wane after I had COVID in December, about a week and a half later, I was super fatigued. I did my blood levels. I'm like, I knew it. It's reactivated even worse now. I'm doing better now. You know, I certain treatments, whatnot. Ironically, ivermectin works for Epstein-Barr and keeping your B cells from turning up, things like that. But anyway, so to the HIV question, yes, of course it's waking up because the immune system is going to sleep after these shots. Now, in addition to that, there's a lot of false positives starting to happen. You saw the paper out of Europe about two months ago saying, oh, you know, new wave of HIV. No, false positive tests because of these extra exposure to excess spike, making these antibodies to the sequences on the spike that are identical. There are four regions that are identical to HIV. So, it's, it's some of it's false positive, some of it's fear mongering. And then think about this, think about who's pushing the message uh -huh. and they're fear mongering. And what do they want to do? They want you to put, put them on all these pharmaceutical making, uh, HRT yes. therapy, you know, it's another, yes. well, okay, COVID's going away. We're not going to make a vaccine. Yeah. Well, and, and ask Fauci why he's been working on an HIV vaccine and 40 years later, he doesn't have a vaccine to HIV. I'll tell you why. Because HIV has a, a GP120 and a, and a GP41 spike protein, similar to, you know, it's, it's a different spike, different sequence. HIV has a spike protein. Coronavirus has a spike protein. There's a reason 40 years later we don't have a successful vaccine to HIV, and that's because it always mutates. Guess what? Coronavirus has its own spike protein. Guess what it always does? It always okay. mutates. So 40 years from now, we still won't have a successful coronavirus vaccine. And here's the thing I worry about from the immune system question you brought up. You make antibodies to a disease, 
say measles. Grandma had measles when she's five years old. You've heard me say this. 80 years later, grandma's still immune to measles because she still has good antibodies and good T-cell memory to measles. And antibody is forever. A therapy is temporary. If you make a good antibody, fantastic. If you make a bad antibody that now binds to a pathogen but doesn't neutralize it, especially viruses, I encourage everybody to go to, NPR did a good article on Dengavaxia, the Dengue vaccine. Mm -hmm. I think it was in 2017 the article came out telling the story of, okay, we're going to vaccinate all these kids against dengue virus. And, you know, that's a really severe virus, can cause severe symptoms, pulmonary symptoms, hemorrhage, etc. The next season, the next variant of dengue virus comes along. And guess what? More deaths and more hospitalization in kids than would have been expected because it primed the immune system with an antibody that at first they thought, look, they have antibodies and you hear antibody antibodies, you know, you hear, gosh, any, look, when you get a booster and your antibodies go up, I'm like, yeah, but those are the wrong antibodies. That's the problem. So along comes, you know, a new coronavirus two, three years from now. And those who have been primed with the wrong antibody to the wrong virus and, and don't have that broad immune uh, recovery, because I mean, all of you who had COVID and me who's had COVID, I not only have antibodies to spike, but I have neutralizing antibodies to the membrane, to the envelope, to the nucleocapsid. Those who didn't get that broad immune response and their immune system is blind to the rest of the virus, they are now primed with an antibody that can be their enemy two to three years from now, which now the virus can Trojan horse Instead of just getting in your epithelial cells, the cells that line your mouth, your nose, your throat, your lungs, now those viruses can get into your immune cells, into your Pac-Man cells, your macrophages, into your T cells. Now it's destroying your immune system while you're infected and causing a hyperimmune response and causing higher levels of death. That's called ADE, antibody-dependent enhancement. And so that's an antibody mechanism of disease, but we always also worry about Gert Vandenbosch's weakening of the innate immune system, the T cell mechanism of disease. This is, I, I'm not, you know, people will say, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer. I've never spoken out against a vaccine in my life. I had all my childhood vaccines. Uncle Sam stuck a bunch of them in, in me. I don't know what he even gave me, but I, I'm not anti-vax, I'm pro-good science. This is horribly bad, dangerous science. And we are experimenting on our children, on our elderly. We're experimenting on humanity. Any good vaccine usually takes about 10 years to bring to market. Yeah. Now, I have opinions on vaccines now that I didn't have before, now that I don't trust an industry. Same, same. same. This has opened, opened my eyes up to a lot. Well, it's, and even the drugs that come to market, or you read yes. the medical journals, and you realize, oh, gosh, all these medical, medical journals are pharma-funded. Mm -hmm. and, and, and how, again, truth plus transparency equals trust. If you know who funded that study or who did that study and they're transparent as to which ghostwriter they paid $25,000 to write their study, you know, if they were transparent about it, I can say, okay, at least they're truthful and they're transparent. Now, do I trust it? Now I have the option whether or not to trust it. But when they do this behind closed doors or behind closed pages and they're not transparent with what they're doing it's opened up a whole you know intellectual curiosity amongst many doctors now because our eyes you know scales have fallen from our eyes our eyes are open and we as a profession are waking up too 
And there are a lot of good, look, there are a lot of good doctors in these universities and these hospital systems. I'm not criticizing everybody. A lot of them are stuck because the system is too big and the administrators dictate medicine. A lot of colleagues have reached out. Thanks for what you're saying, for what you're doing. It's important. I wish I could say it. I say to them, courage begets courage. It's now your job to open your mouth and be courageous too. Because, because they're killing people. I mean, truly, I know this sounds they They're killing people by not speaking up. And that's yeah, I, I started speaking out. But because I don't, like I don't, I've got, I've got, I can't not say something. Correct. And, and, and I do feel like because I'm not in the hospitals, I was there for 17 years in the ER and stuff. And thankfully I'm not there right now. But I feel like I've been able to help more people and even be a voice for those inside that don't want to lose their jobs. I mean, I'm still have my license. I always will, unless they try to come take that shit away just from me. Right. <laughs> but, but you know, we, we say things and we have, th we have everything I say, I have science to back it up. And that's, what's interesting is that everything you say, you're, you're citing an article, you're citing a study. Have we heard Walensky or Fauci or any of them talk about or this? The fact they even said Ivermectin or the fact checkers. They even said Ivermectin, it wasn't big enough study. Did what randomized peer review, Blah, 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 double blind, whatever. I'm like, come on. If it has the potential to do help and minimal risk or minimal harm, why not try it? it well, and, and there are studies and there are meta analysis. Oh, they just ignore it because you can make it for two pennies a pill. Right. And, and, and I, I always like to tell this story real quick um, Molnupiravir, which they approved on un, under just a couple hundred patients, it was worse than placebo. Yeah. It was, and, and, and Molnupiravir, Paxlovid, these are drugs from the trash heap of history. These are drugs from the 1950s and 60s that they've added a molecule group onto. It was originally uh, made for Eastern equine encephalitis. That is an, a virus that affects the brain of horses. Molnupiravir is a freaking horse pill. <laughs> I heard that. Isn't that I did hear that. Isn't that ironic? Now, uh, one more thing. You, you know, we're go ahead. So what were you going to say? No, I was going to say in the in the hospitals. To your point, it's tragic that administrators are dictating medicine, yeah. and and they get extra money if they stick a remdesivir needle in in your arm. They're given the wrong drug at the wrong time. It would only have efficacy. This virus is only replicating for you know five to seven days. Yeah. Most people come to the hospital day seven to fourteen. And so it has no opportunity for good and only opportunity to do harm because it damaged the kidneys. They pulled it in the Ebola trials. It killed too many patients. It, it caused kidney failure in almost a third of animals in animal studies and then put those animals into organ failure. So we, they're giving a toxic drug, but guess what? The NIH gives that, you know, the, the codes and the protocols, they get a 20% bonus on that hospitalization if they put remdesivir in, in that patient's arm. Yes. See, and that, that right there should scare everybody. And the thing is, they tell people, still, the treatment, if you get it, they say, go home and you don't, don't come back <coughs> until you are, you can't breathe. And that is too late. That's when the virus isn't, you're in the cytokine storm then. Or, you know, and that's medical malfeasance, withholding successful early treatments from patients is patient neglect. It is under treatment. And then they're give, still giving the wrong steroid in the hospitals. Dexamethasone is a nothing burger medicine at too low of a dose. <laughs> Methylprednisolone turns off cytokine genes. For God's sake, I mean, if these doctors had one brain cell in their head, they'd open the literature and go, what's the best drug for a cytokine storm? Is it dexamethasone or prednisone or methylprednisolone? If they would crack a book, they would, they would go, oh, look, methylprednisolone actually turns off cytokine genes. 
But do you think they're doing that? They're like, no, King Fauci said. I'm like, that's why King Fauci needs to hang. Yeah, well, this is where it is like it's a pandemic of the of the uneducated or the ignorant or the cognitive. Oh, content. I love that. It's a pandemic. Yeah. And, and the problem is most of those, uh, the uneducated are ones with multiple degrees behind their name. Yes. using ignorance. Excuse me. It's cognitive dissonance. This is what we yeah. talk about all the time. And this is where yeah. when, when, okay, so when Fauci sends out a memo or whatever saying don't do autopsies, does that not raise red flags? Well, who just says, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, what's the reason, y'all? So that's the thing I want to ask Dr. Cole. Like when that came out, what was his reason for telling people not to do them? Because certainly we know what the reason probably was. What was his stated reason or did he give one? Follow the bouncing ball. He was hiding something. Yeah. You know, who, fun only who funded the gain of function research? NIH through EcoHealth, right. through, through Barrick and Dezak and Xi Jingli. It's all intertwined. Read, read uh, Bobby Kennedy's book. Oh, yeah. Standing yeah. the so end, you'll connect the dots. Pandemic. But when somebody puts a statement out like that, do How nobody not nobody said uh why i i uh, obviously was awake and yeah you see here's the problem people need to be awake not woke they need yeah. to wake up yeah and, and and i mean to uh the work of uh matthias desmet uh from ghent university in the netherlands look this is a mass formations hypnosis psychosis people are hypnotized and it's very easy. You know, ask a friend, why are you doing what you're doing right now? And they say, well, what, what, you know, it's easy to say, well, gosh, I, I wouldn't have been one of the Germans that was complicit in all the crimes in Germany. And I just say to people, what are you doing right now? That's exactly what you would have done during yes. Germany. And people yes. aren't waking up. They're like, and they want to snitch on their neighbors and they want to, you know, and then they, they have all these purity, sanctity signals of whatever. Oh, I got the jab. You know, I'm a pure member of society. When, when the vaccinated carry equal volumes of virus, the vaccinated are super spreaders. You know, they don't form secretory IgA in, in the mucosa. And they're like, oh, I got vaccinated. I'm fine. No, you can spread virus if you've been vaccinated. You can yeah. still get infected if you're vaccinated. I mean, the vaccines aren't vaccines. They're a poor therapy at best. They failed. But people are like, oh, I did my oblation. I have my my signaling my genuflection to society look at these are all purity signals instead of going you know all well, the science says it's all nonsense i one one website i love is brownstone.org yeah, yeah. Uh, because there's so many good articles on there paul alexander's aggregated the data from around the world martin koldorf these these are brilliant brilliant thinkers and and, and data is all in front of you if you just want to open your eyes that's it. and that's what i say to my colleagues look disagree with me all you want i mean i had a, a conversation with a colleague this morning. He's like, well, I don't agree with all you say. I'm like, where, what, what don't you agree with? Tell me. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't. He doesn't know. <laughs> I know because he doesn't. Okay. I'm a nerd. I spend all my time doing this is what I do because humanity is at stake here. The yep. future of our children is at stake here. Why wouldn't I? Do I want to be back on the farm and in the wood shop? You bet I do. Yes. Is that still going to be there? It will. But this is about humanity and health and saving lives and preventing long-term disease. Every doctor, there should have been not one penny available to anybody. And all the smart doctors from the world, like Dr. McCullough, Dr. Zelenko, Dr. Chetty in South Africa, Dr. Gill, Dr. Stone in Zimbabwe. Um, I'm blanking on his name, down in Australia. Several colleagues in Australia, we got together from around the world, plenty of doctors in Italy, and we instantly figured out how do you treat this? 
And, and it took my friend, Dr. Urso down in Texas, just a couple of weeks to go, gosh, there's about nine different drugs that should work against this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's crazy. It's like, look, smart guys and gals around the world figured this out really early. Real quick. Real and quick. And they were suppressed. They were, they were shamed. <laughs> and this is what they do to those of us in the public who don't have medical degrees, right? Because then you do have the people with the MDs behind their names telling people like Chris and Amy and I that we're killing people. Yeah, right? I'll tell because you, those are the doctors that think MD means minor deity. And I think yeah. MD means make a difference. Well, thank so, you. And if your doctor <laughs> acts like that and they think yeah. MD means minor deity, find a new doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and my thing is, I don't want you to be my doctor if you don't know how to think your way out of a paper bag. Like, I, I need you to think. I, I don't want anybody to be a doctor if they won't listen to you. If I, they yeah. dismiss you and they won't listen to you, then time to find a new doctor. And, yeah. and this is a good point that, you know, um, Amy brought up that, wait, I'm right, left. Amy's in red. No, Kristen brought up. Sorry, Kristen brought up. Sorry, sorry, I'm backwards here. Um, The Kristen brought up, but the hospitals have become hell spittles, and people don't want to be there. And and we're going to build parallel systems. We're already building telehealth networks. Then we're going to build brick and mortar, and then we're going to build care and surgical centers, because doctors and nurses that still are faithful to that Hippocratic oath that went into medicine for the patient, not for the administrator, or not some government official, we will build parallel systems. Be patient, they're coming, but about 30 to 40% of America, in my experience, does not want to ever go back to this old system. Nor do those of us who, I mean, I'm lucky enough, I left the system 19 years ago, I'm an independent, but the systems have failed us. It is time for a parallel, better way of doing medicine and we're working on it. Dr. Cole, what, where can people like find you? Like people who are listening, I know number one, when you said that you're going around trying to help people like find lawyers and stuff, that's one thing that I've said. I'm like, Oh, I need to go to law school because I could have a dad, um, class action lawsuit with everything that right. I've heard. But the, it's people, lawyers are not taking cases. Uh, you know, lo- lawyers aren't doctors. know. you even heard it. They said it at the round table discussion that one of the, uh, doctors that were speaking out that a patient was told she should not get the vaccine by her doctor, but then could not write the note for her to not get it because he could lose his license to practice medicine. So there are physicians who their hands are tied, but they want something different or nurses or whatever. Like, where would you suggest? I mean, I know there's so many different websites or so many different communities. And we have Dr. Cami Benton that was on our podcast. And I know she's working on an actual, in North Carolina, um, integrative um, healthcare system. Heard the first hospital, she said, right? In the country. So yes, she's, she's raising money to connect do everybody. And I know we have the NC Physicians for Freedom, but who else can you tell people who are listening where can they go? Where can they find great information? Parents, healthcare pro- professionals, anybody. And if they want to be part of that system. <laughs> yeah, okay. So right now, um, yeah, the nice thing is, is most states do now have a health freedom movement. So look up the chapter of your health freedom movement in, in each state. I think that's one good idea. Now, my personal website is the letter R as in Ryan, rcolemd.com. So a lot of what I share will be reposted on there by Janica. Um, <laughs> So that's there. Um, I'm working with a group. Um, we're going to have a new website. Um, 
you, your, your web MDs and your med page, they're, they're all funded by pharma. Yes. And so what I'm working on is uh, with a group of physicians, Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, other doctors, we're, we're going to have one called dmed.com, D-E-M-E-D.com. Now it's not live yet. Um, we're just starting it and, you know, going to be building, we'll build like a page at a time, like, you know, breast cancer will come out first and then we'll do one on COVID and then it'll build. It's going to take us time to get all the information, but we're going to approach it from, okay, what's the allopathic approach? What's mm. the nutritional approach? What's the wellness approach? What's the, what's the Chinese medicine approach? So you don't have to go into the dark web to try to find therapies across the board. We're going to be truthful, transparent, so you can trust it. So that's demed.com. That's coming. And yeah, so be patient with that. Unfortunately, it's not there yet because we're doing this right now and traveling and doing everything else. But um, that, that one, I think people are going to really like because it is decentralized. I mean, and that's the whole goal here. We've had centralized medicine and authoritarian medicine, and we're trying to decentralize back power to the doctor and the nurse and power to the people. And I mean, it sounds sloganistic, but it kind of, but really the concept is people need to be able to trust what they're reading. And if it's funded by pharma, well, they need I don't, to know. yeah, you don't know. And there so we're not, we, disclosure. we as a group of physicians, and this is 20,000 of us. So it's not just me and a couple of docs writing this. Each of us will have a page that we work on, but it's going to be 20,000 of us having an opportunity to get our expertise out there. And wow. And we're not going to accept one penny ever from pharma ever. So when you read that medical, you know, we may, may mention drugs. We may <laughs> mention drugs. That's fine. But we're not going to take money from anybody. We'll say, here's your option. 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 Which is how it should be, right? That we've got to take, we've got to put power. You put power back into the people's hands when it, when the people who are giving the information aren't owned by money. That, right. that's, how, that's how you fix it. And that's kind of what I wanted. The last thing I think I really want to ask you is, you know, it's been a hard two years. There's, it, it, it is, it's been very difficult, I think, for everyone in a myriad of different ways. But there have been a lot of great things that came out. And one thing that I will say I think is great is just when you said, I've rethought every vaccine as a result of this, which I had a vaccine injured nephew. So I knew that they weren't all safe and effective. But when I would mention that for years, people would be like, oh, you're one of those anti-vaxxers. And I'm like, my kids are vaccinated. I just am waking up to some realities. Now, I don't have to cl clarify that conversation anymore because more and more parents say, I'm concerned because I now understand how the system works. What would you say are some of the best things that are happening right now when the world looks dark? What are the good things you're seeing happening? Number one, we're talking right now because of all this chaos and, and insanity, it has brought the good people of the world together in oh. community. That is the silver lining and the blessing and all. None of us would have found each other. We have found our voice and our people. We are not islands. We have community. And, and I've met, you know, this has been a blessing and a privilege to travel and share and teach. I've met the most beautiful people. I mean, this the Orthodox Jewish communities I was with this weekend in New York, beautiful people, wonderful souls, wonderful hearts, the Christian communities I've been to, the doctors, the, you know, I'm friends with everybody from the billionaire CEO to the janitor. We're all human. We all put our shorts on the same ways every day. And we need, it gives an, us an opportunity to come together. And I think this is what we need to remember. Laugh, be joyful, be cheerful, 
-hmm. you know, it's been a hard two years. Laughter is the best medicine. It community, is. community is the best thing for mental health. Mm -hmm. And and it's opened our eyes to gosh, you know, what is the system done wrong? The other thing is people are waking up to gosh, I need better health. I, I look in the mirror and go, how can I take, I, I always tell people now, look, the best doctor you're ever going to meet is in front of you right now. And it's not me. It's you in your own skin yes. because you now can take charge of your own health. You're empowered to go, huh? What, what, what did they not tell me? Why, why did, you know, these people have a bad outcome. And I think people are wise enough to observe. I don't want to be in that risk category anymore. So it's empowered people to say, I'm going to take care of my body. And to your point too, it's empowered people to say, I don't trust what I'm hearing. It's woken a lot of people up. People now want to be educated and you don't have to have a degree to be an educated person. Not at all. You just have to have a curious mind. I always joke that, you know, some people die at 25 and aren't buried till they're 85. That's because they intellectually shut off their brains. I always joke that we should, we should be tickling our neurons every day, you know, sandpaper with something that's uncomfortable, that cognitive dissonance that you mentioned. I, you know, I'll listen to CNN and NPR in the afternoon driving home and conservative talk radio in the morning because I want that broad view of what people are thinking. Yes. But then I will dive in and research everything so I can say, okay, am I making a rational, reasonable decision here based on having a breadth of information? So it's waking people up to become educated. Be your own doctor first. Be your own caretaker first. And then when you need that help, then you go to, you know, someone that you trust. Like like dmed.com. Yeah. yeah. Not, not yes. health spittle. <laughs> yeah, not health spittle. Right, right. And 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 be brave. I think that's the other thing that, that yes. Really, yes. be brave. Challenge that doctor. You know, sure he or she went to medical school, great. But if they don't show that compassionate, you can sense it. We're discerning people. If they don't show that compassionate caring, then support the doctors who do. Yes. You know, the ones who are breaking off like that integrative doc in your state you're talking about, support the people that want to support you. Yes. yes. I do Love think that a lot of people could question or scared to confront their doctors. And I, look, I, I even when I did this, when I started learning a lot more about vaccines and all of this, I actually finally asked the question. I think instead of even saying, I don't want to, I'm comfortable, I think to ask them, like you've said, show me, prove to me. I said, prove to me that I'm wrong. And she couldn't. Of course. And so if you ask, can you show me the science behind what you're telling me? Or can you give me that, that, that vaccine insert? Or can you do this? That is when you have to turn it back on them. Otherwise, it's going to get in this, like, you're scared because you don't feel like you have as much knowledge as the doctor. And a lot of that time, that is the case. We didn't know. It is it's ignorance not in a negative way. We just don't know. We don't have time. So many people but, don't have time. Yeah. And I, I like to say, never ascribe to malice that which can be explained by ignorance. I mean, they're not being malicious by not, you know, sharing information sometimes. It's just that they're so darn busy and the system forces them to see so many patients. They may not be well read on a subject. So I'm not going to fault and blame all of them. You know, some of them are just willfully on the authority. That's all there is to it. And I'm like, eh, I don't like those kind of doctors. Mm -mm. But, but, you know, the one that'll say, huh, that's a good question. I don't know is sometimes the best answer in life. Mm -hmm. And people that will tell you, I don't know, are good people because they're humble enough to admit. Yes. And that's what we need to see because the more I learn, the less I know. And I, I know a fair amount, but it, it teaches me that, huh, be humble. And, yeah. and there's a lot more to learn. Oh. Well, we love your humility and we love 
that you, I mean, because I've, listen, I will say this, you, like you said, you've lost in this, if this is a game, you've lost in the game many times when it comes to, you know, the way that they will bash all of us for speaking out. But what I love about you, Dr. Cole, is just the ability that you have to, first of all, put this in layman's terms. When you explain things, you are a teacher in, you. in your soul, you know, and when you, when you would explain things, we could understand and we could follow you. You know, we may not be able to define what a spike protein is, but we can understand when you tell us how it's working and what the differences are. And there was always humility behind you. Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, you know, when you guys speak, you say, here's the evidence, show me where it's different. And you've always invited introspection. You've invited the challenge. I don't think people are lining up to challenge you because they don't have the evidence. But I thank you for presenting it. I thank you for having the courage. I truly believe God picked you out from your woodworking and your beekeeping <laughs> and said, you're gonna go get your face on, uh, on the internet for a little while because of your willingness to be humble, but to also use the intelligence he gave you to help educate the rest of us with the, and empower us with knowledge so we could go to those doctor's appointments and saying, here's why I'm opting out and hopefully help those physicians and nurses see the truth too. And your so, compassion. We got to throw that out because we know yeah. that you're here because of your heart and because you care. You truly care. And, and thank you for all the, <laughs> the late nights that you've spent up with, you know, and the, the giving up your hobbies and the late nights you spend pouring over the literature, the science and the data. Thank you for taking the time with us today. You've given us so much of your time and we want you to know we appreciate it. We will, we will pay it forward, we promise. <laughs> I know you will. I, I can tell that you, guys, you gals are just as compassionate and caring and that's why we're here to, together today. And so thank you for those kind words. I mean, I, I sincerely appreciate it. And I just look at it as we're just all in it together, trying to do the right thing, the right way for the right reason. And if you do those things, you don't worry about anything else. That's it. And there's a lot of us. There's a lot more of us than you think, right? And we're, those that we're, are with us are more than the, those that are against us. So Amen. True. So true. Thank you so much, Dr. Cole. We've had a blast. We're going we're gonna to get this thing pieced together. All right. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Good. You gals have a lovely day and we'll okay. be in touch. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, Bye. Dr. Cole. Bye-bye. Okay, bye for now. Bye, y'all.